Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Greetings and hello. Welcome to another episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. This is the show where I get together with friends and we have really cool conversations that are like the conversations that you have with your friends about all things nerdy. And today I am joined by my usual cast of amazing co-hosts, Adina Mignona. I am Adina Mignona, science fiction author, author of Crazy Foolish Robots. And Brian Donahue. Yes, I'm Brian Donahue, a church planner, pastor, and musician. And Steve Merkin. Hi, this is Steve Merkin, and I'm the old retired guy of the group. And I'm Christian Fox, a big podcaster and just all-around sci-fi nerd. So today, I want to have an interesting and in-depth, possibly divisive discussion about the theme of ends justifying the needs, or rather, the ends justifying the means, and specifically look at how Star Trek explores those themes. But because it is going to be a very Star Trek heavy episode, I thought it would be a good idea to maybe talk about some other general sci-fi that involves that theme. Now, Steve, I understand, I remember when we were talking earlier, you said you did watch some other sci-fi that you think relates to it. Well, uh, actually, what I'm going to discuss later on is some actual real events involving this country and how it does apply to the theme discussion. So um, um, I'm going to save that for later on. But um, I, it, if you want me to mention maybe what I've always said over the past week, what I've done, um, watched a very old movie called The Angry Red Planet. It's on Prime Video, 1959, about an expedition to Mars. And um, it's so old fashioned that uh, the, the women wore high heels on the spaceship and they didn't wear pressure suits outside the spacecraft. <laughs> oh, they, they didn't. Wow. No, no. You know, they, they, they actually wore uh, uh, pressure type helmets that the pilots wore at that time with no face shields because it was fogging up for the camera. It was made by it was directed and written by a guy by name Ib, Ib Melikor. And. The movie is Technicolor and just cheesy monster science fiction. What's in the name of it again, Steve? The movie was called The Angry Red Planet. has the beautiful music at the end of the film, which I just think is one of the jazziest soundtracks of all Ooh. time. I'm trying I to like picture that. the high heels that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> it's, and she had beautiful red hair because it looked good on Technicolor. Um, Ib also was involved in another film about Mars that I have watched repeatedly, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. And 
It was directed by Byron Haskin, who also did a number of other movies. I think there's one called War of the Worlds. I may have seen it from 1950s. Oh, yeah. And I, um, I just and, saw the trailer for that, actually, just just, okay. this, just today, actually. The original and one. That the Tom Cruise with peanut butter. Oh. <laughs> um, the thing about that one was it was a story about a singular man surviving on Mars by himself. And... Byron and Ib had a big fight because Ib wanted monsters in it and Byron wanted to be about how does a single man survive. And 51 years later, we finally got it corrected by The Martian. Oh, yeah. Directed yeah. by Ridley Scott, written by uh, Andy Weir. And Weir's calculations of trajectory and, and all that that he used in the book and it was used in the film were 3% off. So the movie is very accurate. So what I'm getting at <laughs> is over the years, there's been the progression of storyline about the going to Mars in movies, and we've only gotten more accurate. And I think that's what science fiction tries to do is to improve the accuracy of the science as opposed to just having something outlandish. So uh, it, was, it was great to watch an old movie again. So that's what I did this past week. Nice. The Martian oh, is fantastic. Cool. Oh. Yeah. And and the book is is fantastic too. And while I don't necessarily want to get into like a, a book versus movie, the reason mm -hmm. why I, I definitely think folks should uh, read the book in addition to watching the movie is just, just so much more detail that they couldn't put in the movie. And I remember, yes. you know, I read the I read the book first, knowing the movie was coming out. And as mm -hmm. I'm reading this, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, they're gonna have to cut so much of this. What are they gonna cut? This is just mm -hmm. too amazing. So it, it, that that's why folks should absolutely do both. The movie was great and they did a great adaptation, but they just mm -hmm. you can only get so much, right? Are you yeah. talking you talking about the Matt Damon film? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's okay. Right. Yeah. That was an excellent film. And yeah. all of Andy Weir's books. Are fantastic. He came out yeah. with one last year, Project Hail Mary. So for anyone who liked The Martian, you're gonna like just go Gaga for you know Project Hail Mary if you haven't read that yet. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard yeah. really good things about it. And, and it, yeah, the audio the narration of it is just incredible too. So I have to give a shout Ooh. out for that. Yeah, I love yeah, the audio yeah, narration. Got, got another uh, audio uh, book credit or something. So and, I'm check and I will. Out. I will add Adida in the the book The Martian. The very first line in the book. <laughs> which you i'm not going to say right now uh -huh. but it is so poignant and it's mm -hmm. so perfect and it just sets the tone for the rest of the book yes i would agree mm -hmm. with that yes <laughs> not for little kids no okay. no no right for adults only thank you yes. very much anybody yeah. else any other uh updates or things that were interesting over the week so only because we talked about it a little bit last time i'm just gonna say i did finish the mandalorian and got into the first episode of boba fett so i'm 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 not quite current, but I'm catching up. Very okay, good. cool. Very good. Yeah, you, will that's only, awesome. you will only be more satisfied because you did that with the cool. next with the last few episodes of the Boba Fett. Okay. And and for me, Chris, uh, I I realized just today, because I was finishing up my homework assignment for what we're gonna talk about today, and um I realized that as a Star Trek fan, I have utterly been a failure because I stopped watching Voyager around season five. I have not seen the entire, I've only maybe seen half of season five of Voyager and six and seven. I've seen the finale episode of Star Trek Voyager because it's on a disc set that I have. 
Um, but I was terribly confused because Barkley shows up, uh, and I think he's in the finale. And, yeah, he's in the finale. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, what? I don't, I, don't, I don't recall him from what I remember watching of Voyager, but I'm so psyched, though, because I've got new track, two and a half seasons of Voyager, new track that's old track that I've never watched before. So it's going to be like brand new. So that's that's, that's... what I'm excited it's, about. Don't and... don't feel bad. Up until at the start of the pandemic, like, so I didn't watch Enterprise completely in its first run. So at the start of the pandemic, I, I binged that. And so that was new and, and recent. Mm. And I am not, a, I know I have seen all of DS9, but only because I've caught it in reruns or watched it. And there's, it is possible there are some Voyager episodes I haven't seen so don't don't feel bad actually one episode yeah exactly you're still a trekkie (laughs) there's one episode of tng that i never finished and it's birthright uh sorry it's the episode birthright part two okay because i kept trying to do it but i just i kept falling asleep multiple times (laughs) and i I feel awful about it i I need to go back i will say i that is a two-parter of next gen i would just assume have never watched anyway so personally <laughs> i think the reason to be perfectly honest that you should watch it is especially the first part is because you get to see ds9 in hd remastered mm-hmm. so you can imagine what ds9 would look like if they gave it the hd oh, treatment. is that is that the that's the one where bashir then comes on right board, yeah right? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well so there are some good things to that to that whole episode and now because you haven't seen it I feel like one of the our upcoming podcast episodes, we're going to have to make that like a homework assignment. <laughs> like okay, a very, I we have to have a reason to include that I'm gonna, episode. I might have to eat my words, though, that I'd be glad that episode didn't exist. Because uh, <laughs> okay. I, might, I might like it now that I'm a uh, more mature adult. It's, it's a cool idea. There's cool moments. I didn't love it. But again, I tried the second part and just kept falling asleep. So I got to give it a shot. <laughs> Try it. Mr. Next you Generation know. here. I know it's crazy. It just—it's wild. It's, it's okay. just like the one episode. It's okay. It is. It's okay. all right. You, I have no memory of it grounded. whatsoever, so <laughs> it'll be brand new to me. I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't right. know that." Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now I think we should move into our discussion on ends justify the means. And just for clarification, what I mean by that is the whole debate and line of thought that suggests that doing something unethical for a good cause is justified. One of the best examples I can think of is the show 24, which is just like, is it okay to torture someone for information if it's going to save millions of lives? And that's sort of the premise behind and justifying the means. Mm -hmm. And so I want to look at it from a Star Trek perspective. And so there was a number of episodes that I asked our team to, to watch. These are, Equinox part one and part two from Voyager damage, which is a enterprise season three episode in the pale moonlight, which is DS nine. And then the final episode, can someone help me with this? I still can't quite pronounce it into Arma, which is the basically one with the Latin title. Let's just call yeah, it the that. one with the Latin title, which <laughs> says in a time of war, the fall, the wall, sorry, in a time of war, the law falls silent. Yep. So now my first question what were everyone's favorite episodes and least favorite episodes? How about we uh, start with you, Adina? Well, 
so I guess I'm going to ask a question back. When you say sure. favorite okay. and least favorite, is it just just pure as episodes or in context of the theme that we're discussing? Mm, good question. So it's different answers. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, we could do it. I would say, why don't you actually give both? So like as an episode in general and then in context, because then the next questions I want to get into mm-hmm. the, the thematic okay. exploration. Okay. So just, just thinking of just pure episodes, did I like the episodes or not? I think my favorite uh, was clearly In the Pale Moonlight. And that's because of, of yeah. Avery Brooks. And he just, I think, you know, I was thinking about this and he's probably the best monologuer of all of Star Trek. And I was trying to think of, you know, I, and when I thought that thought in my head I'm like but you know but wait a second but Patrick Stewart he's a great monologuer except I don't think he did it in Star Trek I don't think Captain Picard had no reason there was no episode where he ever monologued really not like this was so just short speeches that had an impact they weren't it wasn't true monologue you're right yeah so this was true monologuing and so Avery Brooks is just freaking amazing so just from that alone this that was my favorite episode my least was the equinox and that was because especially in the first episode for me the pacing felt completely off so if it wasn't for the fact that i was doing this as a homework assignment i probably would have like skipped it or not really paid attention to it or something i would seen it before and i remembered watching it before a long time ago i didn't remember the details of course but yeah this was that was not my favorite for that reason. okay yeah that, that makes sense what were your what were your thoughts though from the thematic point of view so from the theme i think damage was my favorite and i think it was because out of all of them when we think about the theme and the ethics of do the ends justify the means i think archer had the most extreme response his was the one that like really uh, like everyone else uh, you know, again, they did something that they were ethically uncomfortable. He did the most outrageous thing to actually really go after like some innocent people, like completely 100%. They did nothing wrong other than exist and be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he deliberately went after them. Now, again, yes, he wasn't trying to hurt them. He didn't want to, you know, damage them, but that was the most egregious. So it was so. To me, that was done the best, you know, in terms of the theme, okay. it was like the best, mm-hmm. you know? Interesting. Yeah. And that was one of the things it was, it was interesting to see kind of like, so we take these characters that we, we know and love, we love, you know, um, our captains, you know, we love our, our characters and to really see them deviate from who they are, it's painful. And so the fact that this one to me was the most painful in that way made it like the best in terms of, you know, for that reason. So yeah. I'll, I'll let someone else. I, would, I just said a I lot. Would, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you that I, I think Enterprise and, and Damage did, although I, I really, I, I think in a different way, Cisco's um, working through what he did um, was also uh, was also an excellent portrayal of working through the ends justify the means and is this really worth it and, you know, all of that. But I think that, Scott Bakula just did I mean they gave him some meat um in that writing and he just portrayed it so beautifully like he was he was 
very much disturbed. I felt like his portrayal was at what he was doing. And he had people telling him, he had to Paul, who is also emotionally compromised Mm -hmm. and addicted to whatever that drug was. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Trillium. Trillium. And uh, telling him, you can't do this. And then there's that wonderful scene in his quarters where – you know, we've had our differences before to Paul, but you've never broken my table, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, her arc, her, her story and her arc to me, made, I, I love that. Ep- Again, if we go back to like the favorite, least favorite episode, that's the thing I really loved about that episode was mm-hmm. her arc and, and that whole, her arc through several episodes with her struggles yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was different than a typical emotional, you know, thing they kind of did with Vulcans and Tuvok mm-hmm. occasionally too. You know, it was it was a different type of struggle for a Vulcan, um, and she portrayed it really well too. I really mm-hmm. liked uh, her acting in that. But so Damage, I, and that's hard for me to say that Damage I think did it better because I'm such a Deep Space Nine fan, <laughs> and like you mentioned, Adina, um, it, uh, Avery Brooks is monologuing in this episode. The fact that he's looking right at the camera, he's breaking through that screen at us made this episode a little extra special too. Um, And uh, so for me, uh, as far as favorite episodes, I'm of all of them. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go against my favorite series. (laughs) I'm going to say damage enterprise um, because I just feel like, like it, it was so raw. It was so real which is what Steve loves about enterprise. It just seems like we can, it's, it's, it could happen, you know, um, and it's close to home. And my least favorite, uh, I, I'm going to have to say also was um, Equinox um, in particular part two. Yeah. Um, that's tough. Again, it's interesting. I love the guest stars they had on the show on that, this episode, um, which I thought were interesting and uh, the effects, just a side note, Ronald B. Moore said this was one of the heaviest effect shows in all of Voyager's history. It was heavy extra effects um, that were much more difficult than they normally had to tackle. Um, but, it, it's, you know, I think it was interesting, and we'll probably dive a little bit deeper into it about the specifics of it, but I would say Equinox was definitely um, uh, my least favorite. But I have to say... I was also reminded, I love me some Chakotay. I'm glad Chakotay yeah. exists in the Star Trek universe. Chakotay really, he, he did, I think he did a lot of good in the episode. He oh, redeemed yeah. it for I, me. He was for sure. my, honestly my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. How about you, Steve? Well, I think we're going to go for a three-peat today. <laughs> hey. Because I wrote down um, my favorite episode was Pale Moonlight. And my least favorite was uh, Equinox. Uh, and for all what you've just said, what Adina said, Avery breaking down the fourth wall and talking to the audience. And then at the very end saying, delete recording. Oh, because great. he wants no, he just had to say it to qualify his actions. Because at the beginning, he's tortured about why he did it. It happened two weeks earlier, so there's time for him to consider everything. So much like anyone, he sat down and he spoke, had a little conversation with himself. When it was all done, he realized uh, there can't be any record of this elite <laughs> recording. And I love that. But I, as you said, yeah. 
the way he spoke to the audience and the way this story was told was exceptionally well done. I'm sorry, you know, again, I, Equinox, a very good, maybe singular episode, but not a two-parter because as you said, it went, it was just stretched out a little too long. Um, they really didn't explain how the creatures were able to go from one dimension to the other. And, you know, there was, there's just, there's a few plot holes in it that just, they were there, just accept it. And because you won't (laughs) get the story you're going to get with it. I did love John Savage as Ransom. He was really good. I, I, I really just loved his character, his, the torture that he went through and the, transition he went through from the ends justify the means to over the end he goes no they don't and i have to i have to go down with my ship and i thought that was very very well yeah he redeemed himself as a character the character redeemed himself at the end right did anyone else pick up i was going to actually look this up to see if there was intentionally any anything here but the first officer from lower decks is also ransom right Right. Right. I think he is ransom. Yeah. Now, is there was there meant to be any relation? I mean, I know people I, sometimes have the same last names. It happens, but <laughs> I don't think so. I, and I don't know if there's anything like I was going to look it up. Like, and I forgot to. Yeah. In Canada, I don't think they ever make a you reference know, to it. You know, interesting. I read um, because I'm a big Titus Welliver fan. Uh, some of his shows. Um, uh, he's got a show called Is It, it Bosch? Oh, um, okay, he's, yeah. He's Bosch. been on other shows. Bosch. I think he was on. Was it the Good Wife? Um, oh, I think so. And yeah. uh, he is a good um, actor, especially mm-hmm. just with a little. He's got an edge to him, and uh, he did. He was a huge Star Trek fan, and he was thrilled to be a part of Star Trek for this episode. Um, but he, what really got him hooked was the fact uh, that John Savage was, he was going to get to act with John Savage because he was also a huge John Savage fan. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was really neat. They had, uh, I guess they had a, it was this filming of this fell over St. Patty's Day. And so there's a huge cast party over St. Patrick's Day. And they say they had a ball making this episode. So whatever we think of it, the cast had a fantastic time um, during this episode. And yeah. That's to cool. Finish, to finish up about you know what you all had said about damaged. Absolutely correct. Except that the entire third season of Enterprise is all about that theme. Everything right. really that they do in it, from from forcing Hoshi to try to disarm the weapon and pushing her beyond her her abilities that she has to do. Uh, to tricking uh, Degra, to making him think that he's on a ship alone with a, with Archer, um, deception, deceit uh, is throughout the whole episode. There's there's one particular episode where they the they destroy a listening post on a moon on the dark oh, side of the, the moon. Oh, that's the previous one. And uh, John Billingsley, who plays uh, Flox was very upset about that because mm-hmm. it was such a grave killing of innocent people that he was objecting to that in the script, that he wow. did not like that. So the whole season 
is really uh, and and the and the name of the episode really applies to the ship to yes. archer to to paul mm-hmm. they're all damaged goods you know there was there was um one particular line in the episode damage where archer and trip are having a conversation towards the end of the episode and trip says you did the right thing and archer says it seems the more we're out here the more i have to keep telling myself that mhm which is yeah. a powerful, powerful statement. And I think all three of these um, stories, uh, all four, four of them, excuse me, um, mm-hmm. kind of in their own ways dealt with that. You know, this is the right thing, you know, doing that. And um, But anyhow, I just, I just thought well, that was a very powerful. Yeah. Story. So you said oh, sorry, go ahead. three versus four stories. And, and this is why, you know, none of us picked out the... the the Latin one that none of us are going to try to say the name of. Uh. <laughs> Inter arma enum silent legis. I probably pronounced it all wrong. I'm reading that. I, I'm not doing that from memory. But to, this one, you know, I am a little surprised that you put this one in with the others because okay, because the others were well, clear. Well, the others were clearly like we had our captain, you know, main character who they are making this tough ethical decision. And we're in the in the Latin titled one. Um, you've got Bashir, who's just a pawn. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to explain. Uh, um, but sort of just wanted to just share my kind of ranking yeah, overall. Yeah, mm-hmm. So Damages, I think, is my favorite just because I love season three. As Steve was saying, it is an exploration of mm-hmm. of and justifying the means. And mm-hmm. it's so great when you watch the first episode. I think it's in The Expanse mm-hmm. when, uh, when Archer and Trip are having, they're having a scotch. And they basically make an agreement that they're going to do whatever it takes to save to save Earth, and they're okay with it. But then we get to the moment where they're like, okay, we're going to do everything it takes, but this is not right. And I love the fact that you get to see Archer deal with that decision for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Like it comes back to haunt him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in a pale in a pale moonlight is amazing. I would say probably my least favorite is Equinox as well, and that's just because I don't like what they do with Janeway. And obviously the episode is supposed to focus on John Savage and how he's the bad guy for breaking all the rules. Mm-hmm. But Janeway goes way too far in that episode. He does. Oh, the torture and scene. To the point absolutely. where her crouton, I'll bring the croutons to start trying to make up for her behavior, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it doesn't do a good job. And I love the fact that Chakotay was like, I love you, Janeway, but no, I'm not letting you do this. And he takes Lessing out of the cargo bay and is like, we're not going to torture this guy do whatever uh-huh. you want, but I will not go that far. Well, the, the so, thing with, with Jane and the Janeway is, you know, cause there, there are two things. There is one, you know, trying to save the alien species, which could have been a noble thing, but she made it a vendetta yeah. against the other captain. And that's where it, that's where it turned, you know, uh, into something darker, which could make for more interesting fiction just to, to make it darker. But yeah, but I feel like that was. And I would have been okay with it had she dealt with it down the road, like had the writers make her grapple with that decision. But Mm -hmm. as soon as that episode's over, you never hear about that again. And it's fine. And, you know, no one has any concerns. And I was actually doing an interview with another guy for my podcast uh, earlier last year. And he was pointing out the fact that their relationship is extremely strained after that episode. And like Jakote and Jane, they're still friendly, but he was saying, oh, well, their, their relationship is not where it was. And I had never picked up on that. But watching it now, I'm like, I can kind of see that they're not really buddy-buddy anymore. Um, 
So yeah, those were kind of my thoughts. And just to go back to Adina's point about the Bashir episode, the reason I picked that episode is because when watching In a Pale Moonlight, I feel like because it's Captain Sisko, we're supposed to agree that he did the right thing because you can't have a character essentially murder someone and get away with it unless you really think it's justified. And they, I think the writers, at least I always get to think the writers were like, we're going to push him far, but we're making the argument that you should be okay with it so that you still like that. Get the Bashir episode with Bashir moralizing. We're supposed to then side with Bashir because Bashir's the main good guy in that episode. And we're supposed to be like, well, we like Bashir. So we should agree that he's right and Adam Ross is wrong. And so watching both of those episodes, I feel like they're making opposite thesis statements. One saying and justify the means, the other saying, no, no, they don't. But um, I, that's what I want to talk about because I just well, find that fascinating. Chris, so, uh, go ahead, you know, Steve. No. I, no. Thank you. Chris, I want to defend your choice for picking um, the Bashir episode. And I'll get to it later on when I compare it to real life world. Sure, yeah. But the ends justify the means is really imply here in in play here because what the whole mission is done there the reason why they do that is they're doing it for a specific reason and at the end why they did that is for the future and i'll go into that in my comparison to real life episodes in it, that it applied to this country for the two uh ds9 episodes and you'll understand you'll see the reason why the ends justify the means is applicable mm -hmm. to the uh, in time of war, the law falls silent. Well, I think it's applicable. I just always wondered, like, are we supposed to take the opposite view? Because the question always becomes, if he's so outraged by what Admiral Ross has done, mm -hmm. and remember, Bashir's the good guy. He's the character we're supposed to root for in that episode mm -hmm. because he's on the main cast list. So mm -hmm. I feel like we're supposed to side with him. But then we get... Captain Sisko, who has arguably done something a lot worse than what Ad Admiral Ross was doing, mm -hmm. but we're supposed to side with Sisko because he's our good guy. And I've always wondered, are they making opposite statements? And how would Bashir react if he found out about what Sisko actually did? And how would that influence their rela relationship? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I do. I think he would be, if he found out what Sisko did, I think he'd be appalled for, for sure. Mm -hmm. But again, the problem I have is, is Sisko, uh, Bashir was, he was a pawn. You know, Cisco right. was trying to solve a, a problem. You know, he, he wants to try to help stop the, or end the war quicker, or stop the war, stop having, you know, all these people dying. Okay. So he took the initiative to do something when he got an idea or someone planted an idea in his head mm -hmm. where Bashir, he was just going to go to a medical con you know, conference and present his medical stuff. And he got recruited and he got played. You know, right. and so and and he played exactly the way the part that they wanted him to play. So, so to me, it's it's very different because he was not really deliberately. He was just trying to deal with the situation well, that he was dealt with. Well, I is, mean, he wasn't. He was yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. What I mean to say is that he wasn't deliberately doing anything wrong. But I mean, the fact that you have a main character moralizing and saying mm -hmm. you can't you can't cross certain lines because we have to fight for what's right to Admiral Ross. And I felt like the writers are trying to make us side with Bashir because we like Bashir and Bashir's the main character and Admiral Ross is just a reoccurring character. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's making the opposite argument that 
in the pale moonlight is making. It's okay. But if if that is true, I think it's totally okay because we're talking about different characters uh, completely. It'd be different if they took the same character and flip-flopped. Like in one episode, Cisco makes his choice and the other episode, he makes a completely opposite choice and they don't seem to match up. Then I'd be, you know, having different characters and then seeing it from the different sides. And now I don't think they did it deliberately at all. Like I, again, when I think that my image of them making episodes like this are they're just making episodes and they're looking right, for yeah. good plots and storylines. So I don't think they're considering the deeper meaning that we're considering that we get the, we are having the benefit of having this discussion now. I, I don't mm. think they had this ahead of time. So yeah. I do, but, I do yeah. think too, and I, I agree with that. I, I do think that uh, Bashir's, part in this episode is i think as i watched it again because again i'm i'm much more versed on deep space nine than i am voyager um, Mm -hmm. and even enterprise but um i feel like this is um one of sadiq's finest episodes as well as far as acting he's got some moments in this where it's just on him as he's kind of talking through what's happening and I just I think he is one of the underrated actors in Trek, in my opinion. Of course, he's been wildly successful outside of Trek since Deep Space Nine. He's mm-hmm. in just about everything. It, it seems like every time he's in a new movie this week, you know. Um, but I feel like his portrayal is very poignant and very powerful because he does mm-hmm. show this great disdain for right, what he's yeah. being asked and forced to do. Um, and I think also it's interesting we get to see the Romulan perspective on this too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was kind of interesting as well and, and shouldn't be overlooked as part of it too because it was also, you know, the Romulans kind of scheming in a way to, you know, do uh, things that the same way to kind of stick it back to the Federation, you know, um, for their own good and for what was best for them too. Romulans are intriguing and that's what actually got me through a lot of this episode because I thought at the end of the day I thought it was very convoluted the whole yeah it's it's, I had to watch it three Mm -hmm. every at least once a year I'm like oh what how did what was the storyline in that episode again I got to go back and watch it it's not you're you're killing me because there are there are events that happen to us that you, when I explain them, and, and if you want, I will, but... Yeah, we might, you should, because you mentioned yeah. it like five times. Okay. <laughs> I'm right. very curious. Okay, here, here, here's the thing, okay? In, in time of war, the law falls short. During World War II, the United States and Russia were allies. Yeah. As the war was coming to an end, the United States said, we have to now start watching the Russians. We have to figure out a way to follow what they're doing because one day they will become our enemies. Well, in this episode, yeah, they're worried about post-Dominion War. What will the Romulans do? We need to find out more about what their plans are. We need to learn about what they're doing. Steve. And I always so, thought they were the Russians. So the military, in conjunction with a company, a department of the military, secret department called DARPA, developed with the OSS and then going into the CIA, Area 51, Mm. developing listing devices, aircraft, satellites to track the Russians. In 1960, U-2 pilot Gary Francis Powers was shot down over Russia. He became a pawn because we never told the Russians we were spying on them with aircraft. 
and that let the cat out of the bag. So Bashir in the storyline becomes the pawn by he admits he is a spy or he was, you know, checking on the Romulans to get information for section thir- uh, sec- uh, section 31, yeah. which is the kind of the CIA or the Area 51 yeah. in this story. So really, the, it's a great episode if you look at it from real world, what happened and how we treated the Russians is the same way they were treating the Romulans. You're our friends, but again, one day you could become our enemies. Yeah, so and I always... So the ends justified the means by saying they have to do what they're doing. They had to do this because they have to know what the intentions of the Romulans in a post-Dominion war. We'd never get that because that might have been season eight. Yeah, those are two things about that. So one, I like the analogy because I was thinking about that. Like I felt mm-hmm. like, yeah, the Romulans are, I think are meant to be the Russians in this conflict because they're not really friends, but we trust them because they're nicer than the Dominion. But obviously when they're over, it's like, okay, we got to go back to being enemies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so just a question though, when we're talking about Bashir, are we supposed to be on the side of Ross and say that it's right? So I just feel like whenever you have a main character telling a bad guy what they're doing is wrong, we're always supposed to side with whoever the, the main character is in whatever show we're watching. But Ross did what he had to do to get the information he wanted to. Right. But so I mean, are we supposed to side with Ross, though, no, as the viewer? No. As a viewer, no, you're appalled by his actions. Yeah. You're appalled think- by his actions. I think the I think the best art in cinema, in theater, in fiction, in storytelling is when it's left up to the audience to decide mm-hmm. how we feel. Okay. You know, you know. Also, also, I love. Um, you know, I'm a big musical guy too, and mm-hmm. so I love the rides you go on at musicals. You know, you, the ups and downs, the love stories, the wonderful music that's mm-hmm. fast and dancing everywhere and then the heart-wrenching ballads um so i like being led somewhere too when i'm looking at art or theater for Mm. sure but as far as storytelling goes i think probably some of the best storytellers of all time left it up to the reader left it up to the audience to what and so for me like there's probably people that watch this show and steve said oh my gosh this is this is what is happening and so there's probably some people that go, Admiral Ross is absolutely right. Oh, yeah. I just always go, feel like some yeah. people go Bashir's. <laughs> thank God for Bashir sticking up for what was right here. Yeah. You know, so for me, I don't I don't see it as as necessarily being led. You know, who do we have to side with? Who's right? Um, but okay. I think it's, I just... it's a good it's a good contrast, though. It's a great way to think about what's mm-hmm. right or wrong in that situation and compare it. And I understand the idea of it being like up to the viewer. I just always feel like when you have a Picard or Bashir moralizing Mm -hmm. and saying, you cannot do this. I feel like it's like the audience or the writer saying, Hey, hey, this is who you have to side with because you like Bashir. At least that's always my impression. I could be wrong, but that's what I always feel. Especially if you have Captain Picard saying, Oh, you should never do this because you're oh, He's Picard. We got to side with Picard because he's our, he's our guy. Have to, I mean, that's you know, right. you, well, not have to, have but to. it's because them leading you a certain way, right? And, and the thing is, you know, it's not you know, remember the original Star Wars was very black and white, you know, 
There was mm-hmm. Darth Vader and there was Luke Skywalker, <clears throat> black and white. You know who the good guy and the bad guy is. And then as it developed, they got more nuanced. So here we are, we have a, a much more nuanced situation. And there have been several episodes where you want to, you kind of want to just have one guy be the right guy, but you can kind of look at the other guy and be like, well, I was in his shoes. I can kind of see his point of view. And if we think about, you know, the real world analogies. So yeah, there is spying. Is that, yeah. good? <laughs> is that good or bad? There are a lot of people who support that industry. Yeah, and, right. I, you know, yeah. is that, and, and are they wrong? And it depends on which side of the fence you're on or, or where you are with that. I just feel like when you have a main character telling another character who's not a main character that they're wrong, that you're supposed to side, or that's the intention. But again, I could be wrong on that. I just always Um, get that feeling, especially with Trek, where they try to guide you and say, and that's why I think that's why I bring up an impale of the moonlight, because I feel like it's saying the opposite. Like you should go along with them, justifying the means, because if they made a character do something horrible that you as the viewer were not supposed to agree with, then how would they expect you to ever trust that character again? when and they're maybe, like the head of the series well like and maybe there. that's it maybe it, it's again it's part of that not black and white it's right. that they okay. are trying to kind of tug at your heart like here's a character you love and they've fallen from grace in your eyes a little bit and maybe that that is the intent to like okay these people are yeah. not perfect they're they've and to to get you to see that a little there's, bit there's a couple things I, I'd like to kind of point out because I took I took detailed notes on okay. okay. Only people could see their notes. Oh, wow. It's kind of it's kind wow. and Steve's got Steve did handwritten. I sat watching it on my on my cell phone with the laptop and um <laughs> but because uh, uh, I've seen it but it's one of my favorite episodes of the series, so I've I just I didn't need to see it on the big screen mm-hmm. T V uh for that episode. But um there's a couple things in, in, in The Pale Moonlight that I think are really telling, that I think the writers did a really great job of bringing out. One mm-hmm. of them is, is that Cisco <laughs> talks about, um, let me see if I can find it here, the first um, stone being paved. Um, there's something like that in that analogy, um, that, that that was the, or the road to good intentions yeah. are often, or, or, you know, are paved with, Man, I can't see it right here. I yeah, the, right the road somewhere. to hell is often paved with good intentions. Yes. That's Which exactly. I like how that's oh, a common yeah. oh, saying. Oh, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah my yeah. father used to say. My father. That the road like... to hell is paved with good intentions. And he says, mm-hmm. I paved the first stone right then and there. If my co-, and, and he goes on to say, if my cause was just and righteous enough, then it would be worth it. You know, like that's Cisco's mm-hmm. going through it. But I love at the end of the episode, and, and here's where... I don't think Cisco's okay with this all the way. I, I don't because he very, he goes, I will learn to live with it because okay. I can live with it. Now I ready can for live my... with it. You know, he says right, it in yeah. a couple different ways. Okay. And um, so for me, I'm like, he's trying to be okay with it because um, he's tired of all the reports of dead people, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Um, but I think... <laughs> Knowing what we know of Cisco from the big picture of the series, um, he's not all the way okay with it. Are you ready for life's analogy for pale moonlight? Sure. Yeah. Go for it. Here you go. Here you go. When you saw the opening scene where they have the casualty list, right? The first thing I thought about was the Vietnam War. Vietnam War oh, yes. in Washington, D.C. That was yeah. the first thing that came to my mind. And then I'm watching the episode. 
And I'm thinking back to the way that we got into the Vietnam War in that the military allowed a destroyer called the USS Maddox to sail close to North Vietnam and it was attacked. Right. Yeah. Two days later, they said it was attacked again. That was a lie. And based on creating this lie scenario, they went to Congress and said, look what the Vietnam, the North Vietnamese are doing to our ships. We need to have a blank check for the Vietnam War. Where are you in it or not? And every senator and congressman except two voted in favor of what's called the Gulf of Tonkin hmm. resolution. And that plunged us into the Vietnam War. Forever, never one of the senators or congressmen ever said they made a mistake except one. And his name was John Anderson. I voted for him in 1980 because he said, I made a mistake. I never should have voted mm. for that. The rest of them all live with that consciousness. And when I thought about what Cisco said, like you said, I can live with that. We voted or it was voted in to fund the Vietnam War. And they was they had it was all in good intention that they right. created this scenario. This and, and the same thing in the movie. They create falsified documents, they create a, a fake encounter, they caused a ship to be attacked to give it to give the Romulans the right to join the war because that was the end result of what. That's where the ends justified the means by getting the Romulans in the war. And for, for political reasons, that's why we got into the Vietnam War. Yeah. We were and dragged it, into it when we shouldn't have. For Steve, false if, you, if our listeners could see Steve's passion right now, it's really tangible, man. I, I was um, watching this going, oh, my God. I'm writing I, down notes about this going, this is exactly what I'm thinking yeah, about. I, and, and I don't know if the authors or the writers of this even had that crossing their minds when they came up with the Maybe scenario for it. I don't but know. Boy, it sure seemed like real life I, to me. I tell you what, just real quick, and, and someone mm -hmm. else can talk, talk more too, but I did. I, I'm going to go back on my statement that I just made before Steve um, mm -hmm. gave it. Talk about good monologues. That was fantastic, my oh, friend. Thank you. <laughs> um, good, good history lesson there, but I just – um, right before Cisco sits down at the end of the uh, end of the episode and says, I will learn to live with it because I can live with it. I can live with it. You know, um, he says, so I lied. I cheated. I bribed a man to cover the crimes of other men. Oh, yeah. I'm an accessory to murder. But here's here's where I need to change what I said that he that he was not OK with it. He says the most damning thing of all. I think I can live with it. And I think probably, um, of course, we don't know all the personal stories of those senators, you know, that voted to go into to give that unlimited funding. Um, but I think we see people do horrendous things every day on this earth who live with it. Mm -hmm. And even good, you know, good conscious people can sometimes make a choice or decision that affects negatively other people. Um, and, and especially on this level, um, we can see people live with it. At least apparently, they seem to be okay with it. So I'm changing my opinion. Now, now Steve's monologue was so fantastic. And then I looked back on my notes a little bit, and he says that, you know, I think I can live with it. Um, so 
And you know, which that's is hard because yeah. I, I look, Cisco is my guy. He's my man. Yeah. See, I still think he, that's what's hard because he says that comment, like the most damning thing is that I think I can live with it. But then the final, I can live with it is kind of unconvincing. So I'm still, I haven't ever been able to decide if yeah. he's okay with it, even watching it. Well, he might you know. still be trying to convince himself. Yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah. That he is okay with because it. Because he has to, because he has to, he has to go on living. So you know, he can, he can beat up on himself for the rest of his life, or he can make his peace with it, you know. And one of the reasons why I come up with these analogies is because, as we all remember, the concept of Star Trek that Gene Roddenberry wanted to do, see, he wanted to talk about the human experience, but the <laughs> only way he could do it and get it to be accepted by the network was to make it a science fiction story. But right, every yeah. one of the stories are supposed to be based on the moral or the situations that were real, were in real life and present them one way or the other. And okay, so in, you know, in the original series, the, the Klingons are the Russians and so on, and there are mortal enemies, but we coexist with them and so on. Um, in the balance of terror, the same thing. You have our mortal enemies. We don't know who they are. We're not, we're, you know, we're not, we don't know until we, we encounter them. So I think they did a beautiful job in those two ds9 episodes of portraying real life in science fiction and mm -hmm. that's what it's supposed to do i think oh yeah for sure and i think one day we're going to talk about uh private little war which is also a vietnam episode which is one that i go back to because i don't like the ending and that's original series season two we'll get mm -hmm. to that sometime down the road well okay. and we can of course like extend this to the the whole concept of just going through the prime directive and whether or mm -hmm. not you know because because that's really a, a very yeah. similar thing yeah um, it's a morality you know morality question is, is mm -hmm. the federation has a clear starfleet has a clear morality it's codified you know codified in the prime directive and yet lots of episodes break it which again at, at, if you just step back and like this is a television show it would be boring if they right. never did <laughs> yeah it would so be the original lost things. in space which but then you monster at, of the like, week <laughs> i need to go and watch that but then you look at um like the occupation it's like ooh, that's like the one thing where i'm like ooh, the federation didn't get involved there at all to help out at all and even Kira oh, is yeah. like oof, okay like you guys want to show up but you guys weren't there yeah there's um, a wormhole here now yeah you show up but so, so just to question then, so where do we think, this is something I've been trying to grapple with is mm -hmm. where does Star Trek stand on ends justifying the means? Or could we even make a statement like that? Because I feel like a lot of the shows contradict. Janeway is very much, you can't do that. But then we see our other heroes do that. And we see her break that when she's going after the Equinox crew. I don't think there is a stand. I think okay. this is similar to what I said uh, a minute ago. I don't think that they, I don't think that the writers and producers of the show had this idea as like, hey guys, we have this, this, we're going to promote this specific moral philosophy in the show. I, I don't think that was part of the, the series Bible that they were working towards. But right. okay. they did enough that just made it now an interesting concept for us to talk about. So yeah. I'm happy that they did whatever they did because we're here <laughs> having this discussion. Right, right. Yeah. I, 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 Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, well, the, you know, the original concept was, you know, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, they were all the good guys. They were always mm -hmm. the good guys in the story. And here we're saying, hmm, maybe the heroes of the stories aren't always the good guys. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is a darker side. We don't have to have 
Kirk split into two people through a transporter to see good Kirk and bad Kirk. But right. we can we can see them in these portrayal, these actions where the characters are forced to make choices against the way their character was originally created. And that's right. good story writing because it should evolve. Story yeah, should and evolve. I, right. I think that that is the evolution of the genre and just how, how deep the genre has gotten over the years and how sophisticated mm -hmm. the genre and how sophisticated the expectation, you know, the sophistication of us, you know, the viewers and the, the consumers of this have gotten. Yeah. And that's why I think like DSI is so great is because it gave us those opportunities to be a little bit darker. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing too, if we still want to continue and go on, um, that we never talked about the Pegasus, which was another episode that I recommended. Did you? Did I recommend? Well, Riker? we talked about it. I know oh. I, have yeah. a, I, I have some problems with that episode. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to dance around it for a second and then I'll, I'll probably, I'll let you guys talk uh and so uh, there's no secret i currently work, work for a large defense contractor and my my biggest issue with that is picard to me had a very inappropriate response i feel like someone at his level and we've we've had plenty of episodes where they ha have secure con you know uh, communication so the concept that not everything is for everyone's eyes and ears he's very familiar with so to be prying as much as he did seems wrong. Like he's the wrong one to be doing that. Anyone else, like put an, make an ensign do that who's naive. Make a lieutenant, make a doctor do that. Mm. Not Captain Picard. That to me was just the opposite. Like we know when we're not supposed to ask questions. I'm just going to leave right. it at that. Right. right. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. a good point. Yeah. Right. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't watch that episode. I I I I just watched the ones that we discussed. Those are the ones that I'm I'm but, behind. But, oh, okay, but, yeah, it's a good episode. It's yeah. well, I mean, I enjoy it. It's fun to go back to. I, I like that we learn a little more about Riker's past, and that's intriguing um, to me. Um, I I remember watching that episode originally, the Pegasus, and going, "Come on, they can go through rock." Uh, I mean, all the fantastical things we see on track for some reason that bugged me that they could try to have that type of technology, but, um, I love the guest star. Um, oh yeah. In that I don't episode. know the actor's name. Um, he's been all over television, uh, had a great television career, um, was in lost. I know he's a lot of people know him from the series lost. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I, can I just be real honest? Sure. I want to do get it. back to Voyager. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Voyager. Let's deconstruct <laughs> okay. that because I feel before like before we do the yeah, one yeah. concept, I, one one question I want to make about the technology though is Next Generation played played with that whole phasing interphasic thing several several times, like the episode where uh, Ensign Rowe and Jordy oh, yeah, had a, they oh, thought they yeah, were dead. Right. So they yeah. they did that several times. So I felt like there was at least enough consistency within mm. Next Generation the Next Generation framework that. I was able to accept the very yeah. futuristic gotcha. aspect of that gotcha. technology. Okay, that's, thing, that's a great point. The thing I couldn't accept with technology is the fact that you don't see any rock coming through the ship as they're going through it, which I know they, that would be too expensive. <laughs> but I feel like if you are going, if it's you are out of phase, <laughs> you would be seeing them. And I wonder again, and like thinking about the kids, like, would they be, well, why is there rocks coming through us? What's going on? Or why but, can they cloak? Yeah. The ship cloaks, but 
why can't you see the people still? You know? Like, yeah. There's a lot of uh, issues. So, I don't that. know. I don't know. The it one other was... thing about Peg the episode of Pegasus, Pegasus gave us Captain Picard Day, which was the funniest oh, yes. and most, one of the great. most fun scenes. Right. That is yeah. great. Especially Riker picking up the little doll of, of Captain Picard <laughs> and playing with him. That was like the, just, Make that it was just so awesome. Number one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, that so was good. Voy Voyager, if I may. Yeah, um, let's get into it. I've got thoughts there's, about it. There's a cut. We haven't talked a whole lot about the episode, um, but I just, I, I think it's, I think it's somewhat intriguing. Again, I, I think some of the characters they brought in from the other ship are, are interesting. The concept is interesting, um, but I really, I, I'm really frustrated. I, I, I was reminded, and I told um, everyone I might get in trouble. Um, for saying this, but I was reminded one of the reasons why I stopped watching Voyager was, and this episode kind of showed this to me in spades. I mean, it was just spot on it. Um, Janeway doesn't really take advice well. Yeah, that's true. She, through the whole series, start to finish, Chakotay, I don't know how many times, says, you can't do this. You can't do this. And she goes, I don't care. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I mean, Beloris will give her information on, and Janeway, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Um, and so for me, that was like, that was just like in this episode, I was so frustrated, putting aside how I felt about it back then as a much more immature man when I watched it originally. Um, but I just, in this episode, it frustrated me that Chakotay had to yell at her and she really didn't change anything um, or change her direction. He had to forcibly step in to change the situation and accept whatever consequences. And even at the end, they didn't explore, besides her saying, let's go, I'll bring the croutons. Um, they didn't explore more um, that interaction you know i don't i don't know to me it was very frustrating because all the other captains in star trek that we know have have a tendency at least to listen to their subordinates to listen to advice to to make and i just felt like janeway especially in this episode just just it was her way or the highway um, and it was it was just frustrating to me. So all the well, hate mail can come pouring in now. She's self consistent, right? So if, if that's, that's how that she's been through true. the whole series, at least she's which is which is nice to see consistency in a character. But you know, if you compare her to the other captains, she's got a, a very unique. Well, they all have their own unique challenges, but she's got a unique challenge. They are far from home. She does not right. have the benefit of Starfleet command or anything familiar. So her her situation is a little bit unique she has she has you know and one of the things that or she doesn't have she is the most alone person on the ship she has no colleagues everyone is her subordinate and that's a very lonely position absolutely and to be so so she's in a unique situation uh and she you know her motivation is to try to get everyone home safely so sure. so there maybe there's a little explanation for her reaction there maybe yeah, yeah I, th so, I think that's that's reasonable so i agree i think the challenge with voyager that still bugs me is like we know okay yes they're they're seventy thousand light years from home they have 
no way back except to just you know go at warp and that's going to take them 70 years and they don't have resources but i just feel like voyager never explores them actually dealing with the resource issue like you never get to find out what would janeway do if she were in um ransom's position she probably wouldn't do it but he makes the good argument like well you know our crew was starving and we basically didn't have a ship but you have everything so i that one challenge with voyagers you never get to see them really dealing with what does it mean to be alone and what is it like if we don't have unlimited resources because wow. you see it all the time like the, well it's like we don't have we have to use replicator rations but we can still go on the holodeck every episode right. well, i think they did and, a great job of that one of my favorite two-parters of voyager is year of hell Yes, um, that's the exception, I would say. To, to where they really struggled. And I think that is maybe some of my favorite two-parters in all of Trek, actually. Even though I, and, I stopped watching Voyager, I loved... They they have some fantastic two-parters and, and fantastic episodes throughout. But um, So I think, for me, it's, it's more of... Even in everything you guys have said to explain, it helps me calm down a bit, too. So thank you for that. And my heart rate is racing a little bit less. Um, but I, I do... Th I, I, it was also very intriguing. And maybe it was just they wanted to have this dramatic moment between Chakotay and Janeway where we see that line that Chakotay is not willing to cross and not willing to let Janeway cross, that he steps in... Uh, it explains what you just said, Adina. That that she's she is the captain. She is alone in that in a lot in many many ways. Um, and leadership is lonely, anyways, in general. Um, and so to see Chakotay step in and just kind of risk, say whatever, however the cards fall for me, I'm not letting this happen. Um, and so maybe someone ought to write a novel about after that episode you know how Janeway processed that and how she worked it through with Chakotay and all that but it yeah. was fascinating the concept of this equinox is it was extremely fascinating to me um to see what would and I think that's why the contrast is there Chris honestly is um you see different perspectives of decisions made um in stressful situations and we get to see that process and then evaluate it as the watcher, as the listener, to determine wh how do we feel about this? What would I do? Again, that's what great art and theater and mm -hmm. cinema does. It should cause us to consider me as a human, if I was in this position, what would mm -hmm. I do? Would I stand mm -hmm. upon my morals uh, and, and who I am? And Janeway even says in the episode, you know, if, if we lose our principles, we're no longer human. Um, and then we proceed to see her apparently lose a principle yeah. or two. Um, but I think that's what it is to be human though, too, is to err, is to make mm -hmm. mistakes, is to have bad judgment from time to time. Cause sometimes we can have blinders on as humans and, you know, we let our emotions overwhelm us or we just see something from one point of view and we need a Chakotay in our life to come in yelling and screaming at us um, to kind of calm us down a little bit or mm -hmm. help us get back on course. So it was a very human episode. I loved yeah. I loved that aspect of it too, though, even though I was frustrated with Jamie. Like, just listen to Chakotay. Yeah, um, I just wish they could have explored more of that. But I think you're right. No, I think you're right, Brian, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, you know, the resource issue, though, the, the problem with that is if they had been a little bit more realistic about that, 
the show would have lasted a year or less. As we saw in the year year of hell, that was not sustainable, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I just wish there would have been a little bit less, maybe not quite as hardcore as Year of Hell because that would have been too far and too hard to maintain, but maybe just a little bit more damage on and off. It might have been a little more realistic, but I think it would have gotten old and boring, like, you know, for as a watch, you know, because we want to see interesting stories and to kind of continue to fall back on the resource issues. That would have been boring. Yeah, no, I know. It just it's frustrating when they talk about them not having resources, but Mm -hmm. then they can go to the holodeck. But that's a whole other tangent. And well, I still love Voyager. It's definitely like up there with my favorites. Well, again, I do find just, that when you talk about supplies, okay. I mean, unlimited weapons, unlimited fuel, right. unlimited food. It, 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 you have to throw that away. You know, damage to the ship. Where are they going to get spare parts? Where are they going to make them? Okay, how do they do that? It's you're not going to be watching them every day of their lives. So you figure that in between storylines, they're re supplying on other planets or however yeah. they're you know getting more material that they need to replenish their supplies because otherwise you know you they're they're like gilligan's island they're just you know <laughs> how did gilligan and them all survive and their clothes never got worn out because you know there's just some things you just you know you gilligan's island gilligan's island changed my life Oh, really? I didn't mean to get into that kind of thing. I should, I should Sorry say, about that. I should you need say, to explain that. I should <laughs> say that, that uh, my father changed my life while watching Gilligan's Island because I was, I, I was a big Gilligan's Island fan. My dad walked in the room one day and said, son, you realize that's the same story over and over and over again. And I was mm-hmm. like, and I was very young and I was like, my mind was just totally blown (laughs) and i was like this show will never be the same again and i I kept watching it and i'm like oh my gosh it's and then so then i my dad introduced me to this concept of television though the a-team was the same type of show Mm -hmm. same basic premise over and over and over again and even trek um although i think it's true for a lot of shows especially when we're talking about the original trek and next gen era you know, you wrap everything up neatly in the last 10, five minutes yeah. of the show. I think that the beauty of how Trek and storytelling have evolved on television is that now you've got continuing stories. And maybe there's something, right. a twist that is thrown in there at the end. But it's not always so neatly resolved. And so maybe that's why I didn't like this episode of Voyager or why I didn't stick with Voyager is because back then I wanted it all to be neat and um, they were just beginning to really, there were some episodes where you just walked away going, I don't agree with just how that happened, or mm-hmm. I would have done it differently. Um, and I, so I don't know. Yeah, see, it's funny you say that because I feel like Voyager struggled with being too neat and tidy and not enough DS9 with mm-hmm. arcs. And like they have their storyline and their arcs and their characters that grow. But for the most part, I felt like Voyager was always neat and tidy. Mm-hmm. and it would resolve and everything would be fine and the fact that we never get to see Janeway dealing with her behavior in Equinox you never hear her talk to Chakotay about their interaction mm-hmm. like I even look at uh, why am I blanking on his name Captain Picard when he sort of goes Janeway in first contact and he even oh, yeah. calls Worf a coward and says some horrible things but at least mm-hmm. you get to see him outright apologize but I don't think you get to see Jane would really apologize for all of that, except, you know, this has been a really long couple of days. 
then mm-hmm. the croutons thing. That's my biggest complaint, even though when I would say favorite two-parters of Voyager, Equinox is always one that I go back to at least once a year. Yeah, imagine mm-hmm. how hard it would be, though. I'm thinking from a leadership perspective here. Um, and adding a military-type situation, which is what the Federation, what Starfleet is. Yeah. I mean, expert, you know, wanting to be explorers, of course, and peaceful exploration, all that stuff. But that's got to be such a hard line. And Adina kind of pointed this out, is is that, She's got a job to do. She's got to be in command. She's got to be in control. People mm-hmm. have to believe in her. Mm-hmm. And even if she might be wrong occasionally, they've got to believe. It, yeah. I think yeah. the word you used was fantastic, Adina, is consistent. You you mm-hmm. have to be consistent in leadership. People have to know, um, mm-hmm. in a sense, what to expect um, as far as being willing to follow you and trusting that you've got a plan trusting that you're going to go for it and you know what i mean i mean that's really yeah. important so, so i'm yeah. softening i'm up not now. trying I'm softening to... i'm talking and softening up on janeway you guys are making i'm just a i'm just yeah. an emotional well, i'm not trying is... to hate her though i'm just want to clarify oh, yeah. oh totally yeah totally. i mean chakoti totally. is not her peer you know it, yes. he is her, yeah. her subordinate and again the fact that we saw picard you know apologize to Worf. you know picard is not in this situation where he's worrying about getting everyone home safely or they're far away from home and he has a counselor and he doesn't have resources he doesn't have all these issues so he's a little bit more of a luxury to be reflective and That's a great point and and deal with that but back to the leadership thing one of my favorite 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 like leadership moments in in all of next generation or most of star trek is in the episode attached when picard and dr crusher are kid they're beaming yeah. down they're kidnapped and they put these little things in their back of their necks so they're like brainwave synchronized so they can start hearing each other's thoughts and they get out and they're going somewhere to whichever way they have to go and picard's like we go this way and so they start going there and she's like wait a second you just made that up you don't know we actually go that way but you said it with such confidence and he's like yeah well that's oh, yeah. sometimes that's what a leader yeah. has to do you make a decision and you do it with gusto and confidence and i absolutely as a you know team lead and such over the years yep i agree might not be the exact perfect right decision but sometimes you make a decision and you go with it yeah and sometimes the role of of subordinates or co-worker you know people under you is if you don't and it's certainly true in a military setting if you don't agree you've got a you've got a pretty easy decision you mm-hmm. you and and most of the time you have to say here we go yes sir or the consequences <laughs> are very dire for you yeah. and in a um, job situation you, you lose your job if you don't go along yeah if you don't it, go so. along with what your boss says Con- considering yeah. consider what dwight david eisenhower thought on june the 5th 1944 mm-hmm. when he had decide is this a go? Are we going to go and land on, on Omaha Beach? Are we going to start D-Day? Mm-hmm. And he knew that there was a chance that it would, could fail. But, you know, you have to make a decision and you got to hope for the best. And, and there could have been plenty of people who disagreed with the decision as he was making it, but absolutely. they have, you know, you had to say yes, sir. <clears throat> yes, exactly. You know? And right. again, we get the benefit of later debating whether or not it was the right thing to do or not. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just like with the episode, we get the benefit of having this discussion of whether or not it was the, the right thing to do. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's all true. And I just, again, want to clarify, I'm not trying to hate on Janeway. <laughs> no, 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 no. Or we become no, like, too awesome. critical of her. 
Jinwei okay. might be my favorite now after talking to you. <laughs> I've, I've been there trying to decide for at least, I don't even know how long now of who do I like more, Picard or Janeway, because Janeway's up there. She's so close. Mm-hmm. And oh. some days I might even be like, you know what? Yeah, I like I her like more because she has the approachability of someone you mm-hmm. like, but still the gravitas of, of mm-hmm. Picard. Yeah, mm-hmm. just different situations. Imagine the roles were reversed. If she was in charge of a galaxy class starship that was here at, in the Alpha Quadrant versus Picard was out there in the Delta Quadrant, you know, imagine their that role reversal. That would be an interesting yeah. story to write. Right? I, I want to hear what would happen if Cisco yeah. had to p- team up with the Maquis and mm-hmm. if he was in Voyager in the yeah. Voyager situation. That would be. Uh, you're talking about a new stuff. novel, a new novel <laughs> about right. what? Yeah. If well, you know, there's what if and in, in, Q. <laughs> Q decided, Picard, I'm going to put you in the worst situation possible. I'm going to send you to the Delta Quadrant, and you're going to be in command of Voyager. Let's yeah. see how you handle that. You know? Well, he yeah. almost did, you know, in the, the first episode where mm-hmm. Q sent them out and they met the Borg. It wasn't mm-hmm. quite the Delta, you know, the Delta Quadrant, and they did get home in that episode. But right. Q almost did that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it would have yep. taken them two years or something to get yeah. back to Earth yeah. Yeah. or get so. back to the, the, so, the uh, uh-uh. wherever they were at the beginning yeah. of the episode. Not quite as bad, not 70 years, but still a different different challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I want to say one more thing about the whole leadership being lonely thing, because I I have a little personal experience with this Uh, years ago. And by years ago, I think almost 20 years ago, I quit my engineering job and opened up a retail store. And uh, it it lasted a couple of years. I had it for two years when I went back into engineering and then was doing both. But for those two years where I was solely in charge of my my retail store and that was all I had going on, what I didn't appreciate was, yeah, it was lonely. I had no colleagues. I had employees. Employees are not colleagues, uh, as wonderful as they were. And I'm actually still um, in touch. And now these days, 20 years later, I'm friends with some of them. But it was very, very professionally lonely. Mm -hmm. So I I think I have a lot. I feel like I have a lot of sympathy for Janeway in her situation. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And I had more resources because I did join like my chamber of commerce and there were other store owners I could talk to, uh, but not the same as having actual colleagues. So it's not mm-hmm. the same as Jane. We could just call up her captain buddies or have admirals there to get guidance. And yeah, to tell, even tell her what to do. Very lonely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Not very true. I feel like we need to end on a happier note, though. Yeah, <laughs> that was sad. I'm sorry. Well, okay. well I feel much well, better about Voyager and Janeway now than I okay, ever have. Does that right. help anybody? Yes, that's it does. Good. That's good. So one last thing, just to this is sort of a funny thing, but when Stephen was talking about Eisenhower, mm-hmm. I just always go back to Independence Day and um, the president ordering the the nuke strike, and he's like hesitating, hesitating, and it's like you've got to make a decision, Mr. President. What do we do? And then he's like, all right do it because he's realizing he's going to sentence everyone to death yeah when if the bomb if the bomb when the bomb goes off exactly does it work elected to lead not to read i always think of when they're making decisions it's from the from the simpsons movie i I see i I need to go and watch the that series i haven't seen a lot of it yeah. You can just watch the movie. Well, you have to, the if movie? you haven't watched like any Simpsons, then there will be a lot of insight, just not knowing the characters. But the movie was fantastic, we, and there was all these cameos. There's a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> there's, there's, there's. Here's, here's, here's one way we might end. I, I just, I think it's, um, 
because uh, these episodes are about you know ends justifying the means is is mm-hmm. our main theme and thank you chris mm-hmm. for pr- this is a great topic this is mm-hmm. worthwhile to talk about and think through but it's it's also a human story right that's that's one of the things i love about Star Trek two and three, they talk about that human story. You know, we hear Spock's voice saying the human, or maybe it's the end of motion picture. The human journey is just mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, you're right. That's mm-hmm. uh, but, motion picture. Yeah, but yeah. I, th- these are human stories, mm-hmm. and sometimes we forget that when we're you know watching science fiction. Um, but I think, especially characters that are beloved to us, you know, people are passionate about Janeway. They're passionate about Cisco, Picard, Archer. Captain Kirk, um, uh, Burnham, you know, I mean, I just think that, that people are passionate about th- these characters, but what part of what makes us human mm-hmm. is accepting that occasionally we're going to get stuff wrong, mm-hmm. but also that when we get stuff wrong, we have the ability to recognize when we're wrong and do better next time and teach others how to do better and learn from our experience. And um, it's the human experience. If, if, if we didn't have the capability of getting it wrong from time to time, um, it makes the times when we get it right all the more fantastically good mm-hmm. and right and joyful when we come together and when, you know, um, we're making good decisions, not, not just for ourselves, but also for those around us. And I think that's what really we see these two captains in Equinox wrestling with. They're trying to do what's best for the people around them. They just had different perspectives and points of, of where they were coming from looking at this. So um, I'm always, some of the people that have influenced me the most in my life are the people that have given me space to make mistakes um, and the grace to teach me through those mistakes and let me try again the next day. And I think Star Trek really represents this well. You know, we just, we make mistakes, um, but there's still a great future ahead of us, and we still struggle, but we're trying to do it better. We're learning from our mistakes and pushing forward. Boy, Brian, you just, you just, if that's how we're gonna close this discussion, (laughs) you just did it, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> that was that that was your soliloquy and it was Thanks, remarkable and i thank you because those points are exactly what star trek's all about and not just star trek but all of science fiction yeah is to examine the human existence and experience and and if it's done right like a movie like the martian how do you survive by yourself mm-hmm. what do you do and and you just said right there. That's what it. That's what science fiction is all about. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks, Chris, for leading this discussion today, my friend. Yeah. Great topic. Great episodes to walk, watch, and think mm-hmm. through. Yeah. Man. yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you for indulging me. I've been having yeah. these questions for a long time, but I've been trying to figure <laughs> out how do I, how do I even address them in a and, fun way that and people please can enjoy. Listeners, and please, listeners, watch these episodes. Yes. yes. Then you will mm-hmm. see what we're talking about rather than just hearing us go on and on about what we think, watch the episodes yourself and then say, hmm, I agree with these three people, excuse me, four people, or I disagree with them. But make your own decision by watching the episodes yourself and then coming to the conclusions that you do. 
and watch season three of enterprise i can't say that enough just give that a try watch all of star trek i mean watch all of star trek don't leave anything out (laughs) especially birthright part two (laughs) birthright part two there you go we're back to there okay yeah uh, i gotta go and do that i'll get there it's okay no really it's okay i just like to have fun (laughs) oh yeah that's okay it's just one of those things it's, it's on my list and i'm like am i really in the mood I, I can bring it up until you watch something it, else. Though. I'm just warning you now. This is just going to be fun for me. Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. Can I offer a closing thought? Yeah, go ahead. Don't mind. I read Aaron Space Smithsonian Magazine, and there's an article about the cosmos, the Milky Way, and stars. And in there, they list our Milky Way, which is one galaxy, is a hundred thousand light years across, and it contains one over a billion stars and we live close close to one star and the closest star to us is four and over four and a half light years away so really when we watch science fiction it's creating what probably will never happen that we will may never experience or encounter a life form from another planet but Science fiction allows us to experience that. And that's what makes it so great. And that's why it is a true pleasure that we have this podcast to examine what probably will never, ever happen. Well said. Yeah, Yeah. that's just so disappointing when I hear that. It's like, (laughs) I want it to happen. I want to go explore. But you know, you're right. It's great that we can watch science fiction to fulfill those fantasies and to have these really, really fun discussions. Mm-hmm. So thank you everyone for, for being here tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts before we close up the show or episode, I should say. I think, I think, I think, I think my, I think, sorry, Dean, I think I said enough already, but uh, <laughs> I, I just, I just concur with what Steve just said, what all the stuff that's been said. And um, I'm a new Jane Wayne fan. So there you go. All right. I'm happy I created a new Janeway fan. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really great. Definitely mm-hmm. up there. So thank you everyone for being here. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode. It was a lot of fun. But before we close things up, where can people find you and what are you doing right now, Adina? Well, let's see. Crazy Foolish Robots is my book available on Amazon. Just look up Crazy Foolish Robots. I also blog and have a newsletter and we'll put my my website because uh, trying to spell my name out loud right now, don't don't even worry about that. Just just click on the link. (laughs) So I'm blogging. I'm working on my second book uh, in the series. Um, That's about it. A lot of writing. Cool. And I still have my my homework assignments that I have to, to watch from you guys from the previous podcast. I still have a long list of things to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, w- one thing I'm going to watch, thanks to my sister-in-law, is Forbidden Planet. That's, oh, that's yeah. the mm-hmm. classic Leslie Nielsen film. Or he's the actor. It's not his film, but you know what I mean. He's um, a star. And Walter Pigeon. He's in oh, Walter Forbidden Pigeon, Planet? Yes. I didn't know that. Really? Oh, uh, yes. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. My so, poor Krell. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this... I'm going to watch that. We may have to do an episode off off the Forbidden Planet. It's classic. I say enough. that's a we good idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, I'm Brian Donahue. I'm a, a pastor with the FCER uh, here in eastern United States. I'm a musician, a songwriter. Uh, fancy myself a recording artist. I've got a little website with all my music that you can catch in the pot, in the uh what do you call them podcast notes mm-hmm. um and aspiring author as well i'm working on a novella right now and yes. looking forward to it's in the editing stage right now so when that is done hopefully i'll have something to share with uh, all of our listeners soon excellent uh, that's very cool and i'm steve merkin and um if you wish to read my articles on uh the website uh for um, Warp Factor Trek. Uh, I've written some reviews of the uh, pilots of a couple episodes from Star Trek or series, and uh, please enjoy those articles. Yeah, yes. definitely go check them out. They're very, very good. Very mm-hmm. good. And I'm Christian Fox, and I uh, do a podcast called Dealing About Star Trek, and I also write for Warp Factor Trek sometimes. Uh, so yeah if you're interested read some of those articles check out the podcast and uh, let me know what you think you can hit me up on twitter you can find me at yelling about trek because i couldn't say star trek because it wouldn't let me so yelling yelling about trek is my twitter handle as they say it's a great podcast oh thank you i appreciate that thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time